up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Well, we're going to face at the moment. We're going to board. SP Futures up 10, NASDAQ Futures up 21, Dow Futures up 103. We're going to make another another attempt at the upside. We were doing this yesterday morning. Well, we were up twice as much as this yesterday morning. Before the end of the show, we had turned and it was a. Another crummy day, especially for the NASDAQ. And uh, Kevin, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. It's just really hard to get rolling when Tesla drops another 10 or 11 bucks. And uh, once it's getting down to it's a point... It's hard for your Tesla to get get rolling when it's too damn cold and you don't have power to charge it. Well, that that, that too, you know. But uh, NVIDIA, Amazon, Apple, all those things are... The big guys are getting hammered. It's almost... Boy, man, I don't even want to mention it. It reminds you a little bit of... a. Uh, 2000, where the big five just kept going bang, bada bang, bada bang, as it went way down, and it seems kind of relentless. And of course, you had a bunch of people on TV talking about all oh, these things are the buys of the century. And one guy was saying stock was, you know, was, was valued at a trillion five or something, or whatever it was, trillion six, because they, they were never worth anywhere near that. He goes, This is exactly what should be happening. The stock's worth like 80. You know? So I mean, you had all kinds of different opinions flying back and forth, and as, as you might expect, that's what makes a market. So anyway, that's that's where that all is. So you were at the Irish game last night. I was, um, and uh, I, I'll tell you this: the it, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad crowd, considering you know students are all gone and it's you know an inconvenient night, you know, uh, uh, but during the holiday season, and there was a pretty good crowd because they bring in you know like a, a junior high band to uh, uh, you know to uh, add some ambiance, and they had the Penn High School. Um, you know, whatever they call their dancing girls, uh, you know, they had them in. So they, you bring in a lot of friends and families and things like that, and it wasn't bad. Now, all this year I've been sitting there, and as they play these lower-level teams, and level teams, they played Jacksonville last night. And as they play these teams, I just sit there and I'm, I'm PO'd. You know, it's, it, it, to, the, to the point where I'm sitting there going, why do I do this to myself? Why do I bother going to the game just to be annoyed because they're playing like crap? They were for eh, about two thirds of the game last night before they finally got their act together and, and played. But there was this family in front of me, and you know they brought out their kids, and their kids were so damn enthusiastic. It was really hard to be grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, they, and they were sitting right in front of me where you sat for you know where you were for the Marquette game, and so I, I told this couple, I pulled, got them after the game, and I said, "Keep coming back, would you?" Because. <laughs> 
kids are really good for my attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marquette looked good against uh, Seton Hall last night. It was very, very uh, threadbare uh, sports on the TV. I actually had to watch the Hawks. Kevin, are they... The didn't watch those bowl games, whatever ridiculous bowl game was on last night? Uh, actually, it was Wisconsin against somebody. Wisconsin. Wisconsin play. I know they played Oklahoma State because I, I saw yeah. some highlights of that. Yeah, they, they, uh, I think they beat Oklahoma State. But, you know, you're talking, you know, the, yesterday was a parade of six and six teams matched well. up against each other. Oh, how thrilling. Well, while we're on the subject... Yeah, one, one of the games in the last couple of days was Detroit. That's your reward for a great season. <laughs> yeah, what is it, the Motor City Bowl? <laughs> Going right? to Detroit for a blizzard. Well, it used to be the Motor City Bowl, and I'm sure there's some sponsor on it now. But uh, just real quick, I mean, I you know I didn't text you to prepare you for this, but what, these these six and six bowl things, what is the uh, what's what's the the cash on these things? I mean, how how does it? I mean, uh, I, I, I they're assume, losers. They're losers. Well, for the teams, what does the team get? The team gets another three weeks of the team practice. Gets more practice time. The team gets spring football again, uh, an extra spring football. So it's actually. The first practice for your next year's team, because if you got anybody going high in the It draft. really is. You start to see a lot of the young guys that didn't play much during the year, the, you know, like the freshmen that didn't get on the field much, get to play. And with the, the way the rules are now for using eligibility, as long as you don't play more than four games, you don't lose a year of eligibility. So, you know, why not play those guys in, in the bowl game if they haven't played much all year? What it used to be. It used um, to be if you played, like, after the third or fourth game, you lost eligibility. Yeah, it was... It was and, and even then, I thought you had to be injured or something. And as long as you were, you know, if you got injured after uh, in the first four games, you didn't lose the eligibility. So it's it's preserved, uh, you know. So you see a lot of of that kind of eligibility preservation. You see, you know, the guys who uh, have a uh, have a chance, a good chance to go to the NFL will opt out because they don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Um, and and I don't blame them at all for that. Uh, you know, you're going to make me go play an exhibition game, a, me- a very meaningless exhibition game, so that the school can make more money. Screw that. So, you know, um, you, you, uh, a lot of those guys opt out uh, unless unless you're in the playoffs. You know, if, if, if your game is meaningful, you're going to play. So you're going to see Notre Dame. Michael Mayer's not going to play. Isaiah Foskey's not going to play. Um, you know, their their top prospects are just you know they they've opted out. And so that also is an opportunity for young guys that were otherwise might not play to get substantial playing time. What uh, so for one of these? I'm going to say meaningless bowls. The uh, you get the three weeks of practice, and the school will get, depending on the bowl, bowl the obligation to buy six, eight, twelve, fifteen thousand tickets, whatever they think the, the market. Yeah, it might or, it might be five in, in the cases of some of the really low level bowls, and it might be fifteen thousand for you know for one of the, some of the better games. Because it wasn't the uh, Maddie, wasn't the story we were doing the show in Northern Illinois was the first time they went right, but then they couldn't. They went to a halfway decent bowl, like a New Year's Day bowl. They went to like the Orange Bowl, I think. Yeah, but they they couldn't. Uh, the Northern Illinois people couldn't pony up for what was like twelve or fifteen thousand tickets in the. In the state of Illinois, the uh, in the state of Illinois, the uh, the people who run the universities, didn't they buy them and give them out to people in Champaign or something? I mean, they they ended up bailing Northern out because <coughs> they couldn't sell them. Did well, they? yeah, I, I think so. If I remember too, they had you know bus 
caravans going down there, uh, all, all kinds of things going down to the uh, uh, to the game. So, you know, it was pretty much if you were a northern student, you got to go. They just here, here, here's a ticket, here's a bus, go. Well, I'm trying to figure out a way to maybe have some people which, to which would have actually been great. I would have taken that, you know, a road trip to South Florida. Yeah, well, um, well, I, I was trying to figure out a way. It's it's it somewhat is convenient yet inconvenient, but. I know a lot of people who probably want to watch the games on Saturday. I mean, they're going to be two good games, and Joel is ecstatic that he's actually going uh, out to Arizona. I mean, what's question well, is, yeah, he couldn't contain himself yesterday. He yeah, he said he's not going to sleep the whole week, uh, which is funny. Is he going to go to the national it championship was, game? If it they was, win? but it's it's just fun to hear a, a grown up so excited about something like that. It, <laughs> you know, I think you he, know, the, sometimes sometimes you, you got to remember that there's a little bit of child in you. Yeah. Well, maybe I think I think what he said, I, if I remembered it, he was doing the hemming and the hawing about, about making a, a... It's down in Atlanta, right? The, the I, championship I think game? the championship game's in L.A., I think. I thought it was in the Peach Bowl. I don't no, know. I don't know. I'll have to look. No, you're, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think uh, it's at SoFi in, in L.A. I think you're right. The other... There's a Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl, or the two... Uh, uh, the semifinals. Semifinals. Yeah. And, and, he, and I think he was hemming and hawing, and his wife said, screw it, we know, this is, we know they're going to be playing here, and, and she got... The, I think she bought it for him. She's going with him. She's on, she, she's the one who made the decision and did it while he was hemming and hawing. I, I think is what he said. Yeah, and they're doing the whole alumni route where they're they're yeah they're, they're they they bought the package. The, yeah, the tickets, the hotel, the tours, Bus back and forth. Stuff. Yeah, you know, which probably is a great way to go. Yeah, those are always uh, well priced. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for, for for hooking it all together, not needing a car, all the other stuff, it's probably not horrible. I'm sure it's staying in a pretty nice place. Plus. Yeah, I, I, I get it. it, but it, but you know, but it really is those travel packages. I've seen them for you know what Notre Dame uh, pulls together through. I think they they use Anthony Travel, although Anthony Travel's been bought by a big company now. And you know, the, you always look at that and go, somebody's getting somebody's getting something extra out of this. Well, I mean, I know you get the I used to get the things from the University of Chicago, and and uh, I mean, you know, if, for. For my business, I mean, uh, you know, managing money for people, uh, you know, there'd be there'll be like a two week deal river trip in, uh, you know, in uh, Germany or something, you know, up the river. I mean, uh, up the river sounds like I'm going to jail, but the the uh, <laughs> well, you know, they're always really nice. I mean, they're they're not they're they're for your well heeled alumni. I mean, they, they have the two weeks and they have the dough. So I mean, it's I bet you know I, I wouldn't necessarily mind going two weeks with a whole bunch of University of Chicago grads and a whole bunch of different... I mean, I bet there's a lot of really successful people there. You'd, you'd love to sit at the bar there and, and find out what people do for a living. I mean, I'm sure... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they put together very, very nice packages, and, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if they have dinners or anything like that, but uh, when, you know, back in the uh, not not all that distant uh, past, Bob Golden and I used to go to an away game every year, and you know, we would we would always, of, of course, take care of all of our own travel and, and rooms, et cetera. But uh, but there was always, you know, that whatever the local alumni club would have, you know, things like a, a gathering on a Friday night and sort of a pep rally and all that. In fact, the, the one of the one of the great uh, pep rally stories is uh, we we went out to uh, um, Brigham Young. Okay. Because um, you know what we always did was we tried to uh, we tried to choose the uh, the best venue for a game, not necessarily the best game, but where would you like to go see a game? And Brigham Young, you know, uh, uh, Provo is just beautiful. The stadium is like right on the edge of the mountains, so it's almost like you see the mountains rising up out of the, uh, 
eastern stands, and uh, and it's it's a very very cool setting. Uh, so uh, so there we were, but they for some reason they scheduled the uh, the Friday night stuff up at Park City, um, which is you know it's a good hour's drive back oh, yeah. to the it's north. A, yeah, it's a ways. And uh, and so we're, we we were up in Park City and had a nice dinner up there, and then you know went over there, and they have this pep rally, and one of the speakers is of all people, um, Steve Garvey. Really. Hate Steve Garvey. Yeah, and and I'm I'm pretty sure that it unfolded like this. First of all, Steve Garvey played football at Michigan State, so you know he he told like one of the oldest Notre Dame jokes in the in the world about uh, um, you know it's it's a local call. You know some the the punchline is you know it's it's well I have to call uh, I have to call God and and the answer was can you afford that and it was yeah it's a local call. Um, oh, in, yeah. in Notre Dame, it, it, it's it's just a really dumb joke. But at any at any rate, so Steve Garvey, I, I just kind of have this belief that Steve Garvey was probably out walking his dog while somebody, for, you know, from the alumni club saw him and go, "Hey, you're Steve Garvey." Yes, I am. Hey, how would you like to talk at a pep rally tonight? <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the guy they originally scheduled bailed. Yeah. yeah, or the guy they originally scheduled bailed or something. But I doubt that anybody lined up Steve Garvey in advance for this this gig. So, uh, <laughs> you know, anyway, it was it was very strange. Did you guys, uh, Maddie, I don't know if you heard it this morning, but uh, your buddy Luka Doncic said, what, he had 50 points and 21 reviews. The third person in the world. point triple-double, yep. The th- third person ever to do that, Wilt and Elgin Baylor and him. That's a, that's a rare company. Yeah, it is. Uh, Luka can play a little bit. He's he's the guy who's the guard, right? Yeah, but he's he's a big guard. But he's a yeah. he's a point guard. But he can score. He can rebound. He can pass. He really controls the game. Ball dominant. Kind of a Magic Johnson type player, but but a better scorer. He's uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I've only seen, I've seen him a few times, and I was pretty impressed. Um, not like the Hawks, but uh, all right, Kevin, we got to get down into it for a man whose whose fingers are at the pulse of the uh, Mid America distribution system. Um, what, what what kind of a slowdown are we talking about here? Are we uh, just going to get serious, or it already is serious, or uh, it's, it seems really, really some of the b- most bizarre stuff I've I've seen. I mean, I don't know anything about you know the Chinese government, but the idea that the the, the month you have your absolutely worst COVID outbreak in terms of numbers that's the, that's the day open everything up. I, after after three years of what they've been doing, that seems. Seems a little odd to me. Uh, just uh, you know. I don't well, it's it's odd except when you consider the protests. At, at some point, um, they either have to tamp down the pro, uh, protesting brutally, which you know is sort of like them. They're they're, they're inclined to do that when it makes sense, um, or you have to you know loosen things up a little bit. And uh, and and I think that's the path that they've chosen. Um, because uh, I, I don't think they I don't think they want the bad worldwide publicity if they go with the brutal crackdown. But who's gonna right now? Who's gonna go there if it's if it's totally out of control? I mean, uh, it just seems weird. But what do, what do well, you say? And, and keep keep this in mind. Um, what is it? February is February uh, Chinese New Year. I don't know. I think so. so. His, historically, everybody who has ever been a um, January twenty second, uh, January what? January twenty second. Yeah. Okay. So historically, there's a big multi week shutdown 
in China of a lot of the places that do production, uh, that produce goods and parts and things like that that, that come over to the United States. And um, uh, so it, it's it's not at all unusual um, for uh, most companies, they, they stock up ahead of Chinese New Year when they source things in China, and then they deplete it, and then they have to do big orders afterwards. So, it, you know, if and the reason this happens is that the tradition is that people go, you know, the, the city dwellers go back to, you know, their home roots, you know, wherever their family history is. So that's why everything shuts down, um, and, and that's part of the big celebration. So, um, uh, so it's, you know, they, they, they have to open up if they don't. If they continue to have their their really low production, that we'd be talking you know multi months of uh, of just nothing coming out of China, and and what what that does is at some point you start force and, and I'm already seeing this at some point you start forcing the hand of people to find other sources, whether those other sources are other countries, um, you know Vietnam is is a very willing you know very willing to raise their hand and say we'll make it. Um, or Malaysia, or countries like that, or people start bringing it back home, or they bring it back within the boundaries of the uh, um, U.S.-Mexico uh, trade agreement, um, or U.S.-Canada-Mexico, um, or U.S.-MCA, whatever that stands for. Um, and so they start bringing it back that way, or, uh, you know, or going with uh, automation, or whatever it is, that they start to find alternatives. And I think the Chinese recognize that, too, that they, they have to get back to work. What what you can expect to happen, though, is because you're, you're constantly playing this game of whack-a-mole. Every time that you have a serious disruption anywhere in the supply chain, it has what's called the bullwhip effect, because you sort of think of what a whip looks like when you're cracking it, and, and it just gets amplified, the, the disruption gets amplified through the supply chain. And getting it back into equilibrium takes a really, really long time, and we're still playing supply chain whack-a-mole with different kinds of things that run out, and then they surge, and then they run out, and it's uh, that part's crazy. The other thing that you can expect is oil prices will go back up because you're going to start getting more demand in China again, and, and that's a you know that's a big population, a big production, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, a, amount of uh, business production as well as personal consumption that is going to uh, um, be uh, flooded back into the market for oil, and that'll bid up the price of oil. So I don't, you know, I think that's what we're really looking at is those kinds of phenomena. Did you have a chance to listen um, <clears throat> yesterday as I sort of went through that, uh, I mean, when kick up your phone and you hit the Google, there's always like a list of the headlines, and, and I, I, I plunked on one of them, my, my thumb on one of them, I'm not a big phone guy, but there was this article about uh, Politico, oh, not, it was from Politico, it was about China, and uh, it was very well written, I mean, it wasn't your normal, you know, take two seconds and put some crap together, and it was, uh, it, it kind of is on one of my themes that I, I sort of, uh, whenever I'm discussing things, arguing things, was somebody, and, and usually, I don't know, I'm going to say usually I end up with people on the right, the ones I'm arguing with, but not all the time. And they talk about, you know, uh, Trump was tough on China and Biden's a soft, you know, all center kind of crap. And, uh, and, and the weird part is, Kevin, is this, this article basically traced, and I really do believe that a lot of what's happening, both economically and, 
you know, bigger companies taking over and concentration issues and all that stuff, is, is a multi-presidential kind of congressional event. It's people that have, that have an awful lot of influence that it really doesn't matter who's in, who's in power. It, it's relentless. I mean, it's the concentration of hospitals, the health care, the, the, the amount of people that make prescription drugs is, is you know, was one-fifth of when you and I were 30 years ago. Um, but this one traced the, the Chinese situation. They had it really starting under Obama the last couple of years as they were starting to get a little nervous about all the stuff that was over there. And then Trump, of course, goes up with the tariffs and went over and, you know, he was... Uh, a little bit belligerent towards them, which I don't, I don't blame him for, by the way. Uh, and the tariffs are now, but they said the, the Biden administration in the first two years has turned the screws on these guys to the point where the, the Trump's tariffs were, were just the beginning. They said, but Congress is behind it. Everybody's, everybody's convinced now that it doesn't matter which side of the alley you're on, even though both sides, you know, hurl insults at the other about who's tougher. Both sides of the aisle are absolutely convinced that you can't have stuff like TikTok here, all it's doing is spying on people, that you don't want to give these guys high-quality high, high, high chips because all they're doing is putting in their military, and how the last sanctions, and when was it like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the last sanctions that people are, the Congress is voting on is a, is a massive deal changer. And it's, and it's, and it's been about a, it's been a six, seven-year progression, no matter really who's in office or who's in Congress. And uh, I thought the article was fascinating because I think, I think there's a lot of that stuff going on and, and a lot of things under the, under the covers, shall we say, in Washington. That Even though both sides hurls insults at the other, there's actually momentum on a few issues. And this is one of them, according to these guys. I mean, you you going to read on that at all? Oh, it is. And, and by the way, speaking of TikTok, one of the things that I didn't uh, notice yesterday as I was flipping around and looking in on, on bad ball games. Yeah, you know, do you know that ESPN now has the TikTok halftime report? So, so even though we're we're saying they're spying, really, honest to God, at a time when everybody is saying we got to we got to stop using TikTok, ESPN TikTok halftime report, unbelievable. Uh, as they said, what do they say? The capitalists will happily sell you the rope with which you're going to hang him. You know it. It is really something. And it, I, I can't uh, maybe because you know it's a little slow in the market, even though we've, we've been busy. But I, I can't get over the amount of people on CNBC, and sometimes I watch the other stuff. But uh, they constantly talk about how you should be investing in China again. Is, is there any any sort of uh, morality here at all? <laughs> I, no. I, I, it, it's if you can make a buck, you know, go ahead. You know. Saddam Hussein's going to do something well, like that? I, I think you have to, as, as a major business, if you're a major corporation, you, you have a little bit of a, a tap dance that you have to work. Because I, I certainly understand that people want to sell into the Chinese market. It's too huge to ignore. Um, and, and you don't, and especially once they're already in that market, it's pretty, pretty. It's pretty difficult to say. Well, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. I agree. You've already built your whole business model on it, so I do get that. And and what that means is that being in the market in China means a certain amount of I don't know knuckling under to the Chinese Communist Party because they can they can pull the plug on you. Instantly. Well, no, no, yeah, you're paying. Um, you're paying somebody, and, and they threaten to do it. Now, that doesn't mean, you know. So the the question is, where where do you draw your line? Yeah, that's your ethical question more than anything else. Is where you draw the line here? 
um, are you try you know are you I mean to me sponsoring the Olympics for example was a bridge too far um, being Coke being the official sponsor of the Olympics P and G a few other companies um, you know all you're doing is you're sponsoring what was essentially a showcase for the uh, uh, Chinese Communist Party I, I I think that's you know that's that's beyond just selling in the area but I, I don't uh, think there's a selling in, in the market. And this has been a long time, uh, Kevin, because I was in the economic club of Chicago for a while, and I somehow or another I, I was talking to this lady who was worked at the Chinese consulate, and somehow or another in the same evening, I was talking to somebody else who was looking to b- open up a factory in China. So I basically, the, the card I had just gotten from the person who worked for the Chinese consulate, I just gave it to this guy. And, uh, and we, t- we talked after, and basically if, if you wanted to put something up over there, they would assess your business. And they would uh, say, "Okay, we kind of belong in this province, but whatever it is you're making," uh, and 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 then they would give you essentially a contact who was, for lack of a better term, a political hack that you essentially paid, and th- and that person would take you through the process, find you the area. Maybe there was already a factory there or whatever, and the and they were your person that you you know gave money to to make sure you never had any labor problems or anything else. So there, there's. If yeah, what was the term that uh, Royko used all the time as your your government sponsor? Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I mean, there's you, I, I don't I don't think this time can, it was literally that case. I don't know that you're uh, you can be there and be quote clean. Now I don't know what I don't know the guy uh, the guy the person we had on from uh, what was he from West West Chicago Mint the guy who did the uh, coatings don't call him Teflon for all the pots and pans yeah and. Uh, we had him on, oh God, when we first started the show, and he was saying that all the people who made the pots and pans moved to China. So there's no way they were going to send the pots and pans to his factory in West Chicago or Wheaton, or the hell he was, from China and then send them back out all around the world. He, if he wanted to be in the business, he had to set up over there, even though he didn't want to. So I mean, there's a lot of a lot of that, I think, still happening, Kevin. I mean, uh, yeah, I think so too. Where, where I think it's changing is that uh, that manufacturing technology has advanced so quickly um, that you will start to see more people saying, "I can match the low unit costs in China because I can make it near zero uh, on a on a marginal basis in, uh, for ma- uh, you know in, in if I manufacture locally." Uh, of course, the the problem there is always you have to write the big check up front to set it up. Well, you know, we be sending uh, a ton of a ton so, of. You know how how long how long are you willing to accept on a payback on a capital expenditure? Uh, I, I think that dynamic has changed somewhat because now when people are realizing that their whole supply chain can get turned upside down easily, like it did. And that people are getting knocked out of business because of disrupted supply chains. Now they're starting to realize that okay, I can accept a five or six year payback on my capital expenditures to uh, to manufacture locally because I'll have a stable supply. Well, SP futures up twelve, Nasdaq is up thirty. Hope we can stand. And I actually have Tesla up a couple of bucks, buck ninety five. Wow! We'll be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, we're back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom We're from the board. SP futures up 11. NASDAQ futures up 28. Uh, futures up 101. Individual stocks in the Dow that are moving. You should have Chevron Texaco down, buck 28. Well, must be down. Uh, we've got gold down, so I'm going to say, I'm going to guess the, t- the dollar must be up, and it is a little bit. Uh, you know, actually, no, it's not. It's down a little bit. That's kind of weird, but uh, not very much. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up 15.1%, eh, FTSE up 68.9%. That's a big move. CAC around up 17.3%, so up to varying degrees over in Europe. Yesterday, we were up 37 in the Dow, down 15 in the S&P, but down another 144 in the NASDAQ. It's another 1.4%, so the NASDAQ's down to... Ten thousand three fifty three. That's a, that's a, that's a long way down. It's got to be over thirty percent on a year easy. Uh, bonds down four basis points, three point eight one. Bond down four basis points, two point four six. Japan unchanged at point four six. Again to the higher, the high end of the range of zero to point five that they're allowing it to float. We've got oil. It's been only down fourteen cents, seventy nine thirty nine, under under eighty. Brent down twenty one cents, eighty four twelve. Natural gas down thirty one cents, four ninety seven. Just remember that four ninety seven on the natural gas is you get your natural you get your gas bill and probably have it doubled from last year and wonder what the hell. Arbob up is at two thirty five unchanged. We've got gold down eleven fifty, eighteen eleven, still over eighteen hundred. Silver down thirteen cents, twenty four oh eight, copper up a penny, three eighty five. We've got Bitcoin down eleven thirty seven, sixteen thousand six fifty three, so it's getting to that mid sixteen thousand range. Probably don't want it to go much lower, uh, because people still have issues with that. Obviously, and one of the one of the people is closing their uh, Japan office today of their of their exchange. I'll get the name of that in a second. We have the dollar, like I say, is uh, is down slightly. The euro is up uh, only eight eight thousandths, and the the pound is actually up point a half percent. So it's one twenty one on the 
pound and 106 on the euro, which kind of been now for a few weeks. Eddie Vettforce, Trevi Weather Sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a couple of crashes on the south side. Uh, we'll start on the Bishop Ford inbound just before 137th Street. There's an accident. That has just uh, become clear, but some congestion remains. Uh, stop and go traffic uh, as you approach 137th, which is F- exit 69 on the inbound I-94 Bishop Ford. Just west of there on the uh, inbound I-57 before 119th Street, there is a crash that's ex- uh, causing significant delays coming northbound on I-57. So those are your two areas of concern right now. No issues at all on the Stevenson or the Eisenhower. Northside expressways have been quiet all morning. Same for Lakeshore Drive. Off the expressways, uh, we have uh, one other accident in the area. It's in uh, Naperville, Route 53 at uh, 59th Street. There is a crash, but everything else is good out there. Weather today, we warm up a little bit, uh, but we'll have um, rain coming up uh, in the next few days. Not today, though. Partly cloudy skies, a high of 41, which will probably feel like it's 75 degrees. Right now, it is mostly clear and 30 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast today and a high of 59. Right now it's raining already and 57 degrees. In sports, the Blackhawks were shut out uh, in Carolina by the Hurricanes 3-0. Coyotes beat the Avalanche 6-3. Bulls were off last night. They'll host the Milwaukee Bucks tonight, 7 p.m. tip-off at the United Center. Suns uh, beat the Grizzlies 125-108. In college hoops, Notre Dame over Jacksonville, 59-43. to And in the guaranteed rate bowl last night, it was Wisconsin over Oklahoma State, 24-17. Chief. And why didn't they play the guaranteed rate bowl at guaranteed rate field? They sponsor multiple stadiums and, and events around the country. I see. Uh, crypto exchange crack. They have a big guaranteed rate sign at Wrigley, actually. Really? Yeah. Crypto exchange Kraken to shutter its Japan operations after global layoffs. I thought Kraken was a hockey team. <laughs> it is. The uh, wait, somebody's at the door. I bet it's our friend Russell. I'll let him in. Yeah, Russell's coming in studio today with his uh, his daughter uh, Kevin, the one I think he wants to be the meteorologist. I'm, I met her when she was younger. We're dying to see her again. Um, she wants to be uh, like work for Noah or someplace. We. I don't think we should introduce her to well, our... Well, at least there'll be somebody charming on the second hour, then. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if I want to introduce her to our, our friend Tom Conway, who just retired from NOAA. Right? He, uh... I, I didn't know he retired, but I believe it. Yeah, he retired. He was uh, one of the guys who did the... Uh, well, way back in the day. Remember we had ozone holes? Do we have, do we have those anymore, or we just don't talk about them? He was in the DC-8 flights over... Um, we... we, we, we we change topics regularly. Yeah, and uh, he also was involved in some of the big uh, studies regarding uh, um, the oxygen plumes in the in around the world and where where oxygen was being uh, made versus carbon dioxide. And some very interesting uh, facts they came up with. I mean, last time I talked to him, he, of course, is always a fountain of information, a brilliant guy. That uh, everybody always thought that you were going to get all kinds of... Uh, Oxygen from like the Amazon because it's nothing but trees and plant plants and stuff. He said that's all BS. It's all it's actually in an equilibrium because for the amount of trees that are growing, there's trees that are dead and termites eating them, and they, they, they produce nothing but carbon dioxide. So the biggest plume of carbon dioxide or of of, uh, of uh, oxygen they ever saw, where the needle they thought something was wrong, the needle went off the chart. Uh, well, went off the end of the dial was uh, Yellowstone 
like three or four years after the fire. It was all new growth. So it was just it was just like an oxygen factory. So he was saying that if he really wanted to uh, uh, do some simple things regarding uh, global warming and CO2 emissions, we should plant a million trees a year. That would be one thing that nobody would argue with. Give, give people stuff to do, and oh, by the way, it would it would work dramatically. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it would be a worldwide solution, but it would be something you could do. <laughs> you know, the simple stuff, we never... We never even, uh, you know, of course we don't even think about something like that. But, no, uh, because we have to change, um, we have to change everybody's, everybody's way of life instead. Yeah, we have to be a, a Karen to everybody, tell everybody else what to do. I mean, even though you have a, a president that ride, rides around on Air Force One, he's going to tell other people not to drive their car to the store, you know, type of thing. Yeah, well, or, or it, 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 it doesn't even bother me that the president does it. But I, I will know it's there's a real climate emergency. I will know it's a big problem when John Kerry, Bill Gates, you know, people like that start flying commercial. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy. F- how did, the then, then I'll say, oh yeah, we must be on the brink. Yeah, we must. Uh, but they're not about to do. I mean, Bill Gates. I mean, can you can you be more of a hypocrite? <laughs> I don't even. I don't want to go down that road. But uh, so, uh, should we work on your resume today? Like the uh, what's his name? The guy now. Why? Why we, we we talk about uh, morality and somehow or another? What do you mean work on my resume? I got stocks and jocks on my resume. What more do I need? Well, you, who's the <laughs> guy? We don't have uh, what's his name. Didn't, what did this guy put on his? He, went, he didn't go to school. Where he said he went to school. This is the what's the guy's name? The representative who just got elected. We're talking about him yesterday. Uh, yeah, I, I I know who you're talking about, and actually, I I, I don't know why I stumbled across it. Um, you know, real real early this morning when I got up, but apparently Tulsi Gabbard was sitting in on uh, on Fox for somebody's show. I don't even know whose show. You know, I don't know if she was sitting in for Laura Ingram or Tucker Carlson or one of those. You know, one of those people because I, I really don't watch their primetime stuff at all. Um, I tend to watch the Fox Business Network so I can get Kenny and I can get Dr. J, but. Uh, um, but I, I don't watch the Fox News Channel, so but but they're right next door to each other, so that's probably how I stumbled across them. I was just channel surfing, but there she is interviewing the guy, and man, she is just jumping down his throat. Why would anybody believe you, you know, about anything? Well, why, why would, would you? anybody have any trust for you? <laughs> well, why would you? It was yeah. brutal on the guy. It was great. It was uh, George Santos. Yeah, he, yeah, that's the guy. We say, yeah, on their resume, got to be a, a Tulsi Gabbard, George <laughs> Santos clip out there somewhere. But why does why does the guy um, get tossed? He didn't break any laws. Um, I'm just shouting. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't break a law. <laughs> he, 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 you I know, he, he's. It's not like he's George O'Leary or anything. Well, the lady who sold all <laughs> for, for those who don't know the reference. Uh, George O'Leary was the uh, Notre Dame head coach for about eh, a little less than a week before they realized that his resume was totally embellished. He had been Georgia Tech's coach, um, and so um, that was to replace Bob Davey back in the day. And so then they turned to Tyrone Willingham. And so, you know, I don't know which era was less productive, the Willingham era or the George O'Leary era, but it's a close call. (laughs) Well, it's hard to be productive O'Leary, in a week. O'Leary's three days. <laughs> O'Leary's three days, or 
or Tyrone's three years. I don't know, but uh, neither one was very good. I never understood why he lied on his resume. They know you're at Georgia Tech. That's your last job. That's really all that matters, right? <laughs> what do you What do you lie? Yeah, about? It, it was one of those things that I, I think he embellished it way back in his days of being an assistant coach, um, and, uh, and and just kind of never removed it when all he really had to do was quietly, at least at, when he was at Georgia Tech, was just go and quietly, uh, you know, talk to the people at Georgia Tech, tell them what ha- you know, what's what's the deal, and uh, say, can we just sort of update my bio here, um, and, uh, <laughs> and and call it a deal. Um, but yeah, it's it, you know, it, it, his uh, his theoretical master's degree was not required for the job, so. <laughs> Well, I don't know, but somewhere we would. I mean, Russell uh, brought up the whole point here by yelling into the mic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This this uh, correlation we have between if it's we we got to get out of this. If it's if it's not illegal, it must be moral because the connection there does not work. Well, I don't think anybody's claiming it's moral, Tom. I, I I just think it's you know. But but I I do agree with you. I've been I harp on it all the time, especially in my in my classroom that the, the difference between legal and ethical is really important. Um, but the question gets to be what's what's the penalty for unethical, and and uh, in, in this case it might be censure. Um, but I don't know that they have a case for high crimes and misdemeanors or anything like that that's going to get you fired. Well, they didn't. They didn't boot. What's her name? Uh, Laffer for for selling all her stock when she came out of the COVID meeting. And, and plus, the lady is the the wife of the the ICE chairman, right, Russell? Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, she. Go ahead. I thought. I thought she. Are you talking about the person out of Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. No, she wasn't the wife of. She was the person. No, she. Her husband is the head of the ICE. I thought she was. I thought she was high up with the ice, and well, maybe, but then she became a senator. Yeah, no, I thought she. I, I thought she was high up with ice, and then she um, I, um, I, stepped down from that and took that. She might have been for a but, little but, while. But I think hubby. But, but either way, she was privy to inside information. Hi, Kevin. Sorry for taking your time. No sweat, Russell. It's always nice. You Merry put on Christmas a and Happy New Year to you. I haven't. I haven't been on with you. In a you know while. how much? You see how much better he sounds now he's in studio. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, the uh, I don't see any coffee though. I'm just just saying. Oh, he's he's got some. Well, good, good, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah f- physical comedy does well on radio, doesn't yeah, it? I yeah. held my I held my coffee up in the air where you, you could see it. And, but I, you know, but I mean, what, what do you have to do to get censured? I mean, what what do you have to do to be to be spanked by those people? I don't there? know. You got to kill a guy. Maybe. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> I don't know. It sort of varies, you know. I, yeah. Um, in the scheme of things, when you think of what you know, what people have gotten uh, have not been censured for doing, uh, and then you know, Trump got impeached on a phone call. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, what's you know? What's your standard? Because it's not very consistent. Well, I, what's happened? I think in the last twenty years, and this is after uh, you know our, our buddy Doc, not Doctor J. I mean, I've told the story a hundred times. But he gave me the hope that one day I, I grabbed him for lunch. I said, "Okay, what's the story with people getting money from? Uh, uh, not people getting money, but p- what do people make when they're in Congress? Is it really a good job?" And he was talking about just we were just out of school, kind of Kevin. And he goes, "No, it's a basically a horse bleep job because you you have to put all your all your trading in a trust. Everything goes in a trust. You can't do anything with it. And if you're a representative at the time, I'm thinking they're making forty grand, forty five something." 
They really needed to keep two houses, and most of those guys were pretty young. So they had, most of them had a young family, and you're not home. You know, and, and he goes, like Marty Russo, and there was another Italian guy on the south side that had the other spot next to him, uh, other spot, the next district. They were best friends. Of course, they, they shut, they squashed the districts, and the two guys had to run against each other, and I don't think they talked to this day. They're not friends anymore. Uh, but the, uh, he says, yeah, the, the guy, whenever he goes to Beverly, somebody's paying his way in. I mean, he didn't have the money. I mean, he's, he's nowhere near where he is because he got, probably got in there at age 26 or 7 because he was a con-con guy. Uh, you know, so he got in politics very young. He's, you know, he said, and then all of a sudden Cheney comes in and he just trades while he's a vice president. And then everybody just, like, looks at him and goes, well, I, I get, I'm going to say it must have been a, a convention, not even really a, a, a congressional rule, and certainly not a, a real law. I mean, and I, th- I think Trump, to a certain extent, just did what he damn well pleased, and it turns out there really was no laws against half of this stuff. I mean, it just, it was convention, and now it's not anymore. You know, it's, you know, the, whatever the gentleman's rules were, all of a sudden somebody well, does... Well, y- you know what, it, whatever, whatever convention was, it wasn't being followed anyway. But probably, yeah. Uh, you know, at some point, at some point, you know, again, you get into, okay, what's legal, what's ethical. Well, you know, they're, they're still, you know, they, they were making a fortune. There, there was a, a book, I'd have to fish it out, because um, it, it, it was a, a book I read a few years back about, you know, all the people in, in Congress who have gotten rich while in, in, uh, in office. It, it is just awesome. Um, you know, in, in some ways, you say I have to take my hat off to these people. They're really good at, at the grift, um, but uh, but of course, it's appalling too. Well, I, I would say that uh, you know, going back in Illinois history, uh, even, even a guy like Dan Rostenkowski who had a massive pack. Okay, so hmm. he would he would help other people, um, you know, get elected. Which of course they all owe him a favor on that. I mean, it's to me that's the Chicago way. That that's that's the clean way. But uh, you know, because everybody always remembers a favor or should, and uh, I, but I, I don't see if if you would have told Everett Dirksen or Paul Simon or Adley Stevenson or uh, any of those people that, 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 that when you went to Washington you're supposed to make two trades a day on everything you hear, I think they would have been totally appalled. Dan, I can't imagine Dan Inouye doing that. The guy from uh, the war vet from Hawaii that was absolutely. I thought that guy was totally unbuyable. I don't. I think we well, and, and you know, look at look at the uh, content in in uh, Hunter's laptop. You know, the 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 one that particularly stands out is uh, when they're talking about you know who, who gets the money, um, you know who gets the money allocated to them, and, and there's ten percent for the big guy. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know who the big guy was in the in the family. So. Uh, and, and you know, there's additional ones, emails from uh, Hunter to his daughter, saying it. Well, at least I don't. Uh, at least I don't claim half of your income. And then there's all kinds of documentation about uh, you know Hunter paying uh, paying all the bills for uh, for pops, um, which is a, a pretty nice way to launder money if you don't want it. Uh, you know, if you don't want a, a, the right kind of financial trail where things are going into and out of bank accounts, you just pay his bills. But how does that? But I mean, remember, his bills are not trivial when you have all these mansions. So you know what I'm telling you is it's all over the place. Um, you know, and 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 you, you just have this this big grift going on in con- uh, Congress, and I I don't know how you know is it going to get any better? I doubt it. Well, I don't. Some of it is uh, 
well, I won't say woke. I just did. Uh, it, it's sort of weird. You don't, you don't want, you know, if you're a senator, you, you sure as hell are not going to run on a platform that they, if you're a senator or a rep, your wife has to stay home and take care of the kids or your husband. It, I mean, you're, you're not going to get anywhere with that argument. That by the same token, this idea that you're, you're purer than Pharaoh's wife, yet your, your wife or husband is sitting on five boards trading, trading, you know, trading their behind off uh, and making a fortune, that's, I, I don't, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not going to say that the, the man or woman in a family can't have their own job. I'm not going to go down that road. But the fact is, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, in, in, any, in any any Southsiders' estimation, okay, you're not the crook, but your wife is, and it's okay, and you talk to her every night? Come on. I mean, we, we don't seem well, to have... Well, it's, it is one of the uh, um, arguments for term limits, because, it, you know, if you're term limited, you can only go so far with that. Um, now, I don't know if that's really going to help or not, um, but uh, but I do think that there there is at least an opportunity to say uh, you know bef- uh, you know it, it, look at it like this who's made the most money it's the people who've been in Congress forever so you know maybe maybe if you can't be there forever um, and, and you, you you might be more inclined to be there to serve I uh, I don't know where Russell stands on this the second we're going to redo Russell's resume so he can run for senator uh, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't be coming from Memphis. We got to find a better town for him to come from, a much more one that sounds better. Like Brookline, Massachusetts, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Much more respectable <coughs> town. Yeah. Uh, but to be, but I mean, I, I don't know how you. Uh, I don't know. There's this whole thing about term limits, Kevin. Is a uh, as we used to say on the trading floor when they came up with some kind of new rule. What's the workaround? How can we work? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, there, there's going to be. I think what you'd find if you had term limits and you're, you're convinced that, uh, uh, you know. Schumer and Pelosi and McConnell get all the dough. If, if all of a sudden those guys got thrown out, I just I'd be like uh, FTX, and I'd give the million and a half bucks to Jesse's kid. I would buy him off the day he walks in there. You just you just well, work, always you just the, work uh, the rules are only a problem for the people who intend to follow them. Yeah, I mean you're you're just going to work your way down the chain, you know, and uh, and which is and plus I don't I don't think the re- my my biggest hang up about term limits. Is I don't think it'll work because of what I just said, and I don't want to pass it. Have everybody pat themselves on the behind for ten years to see if it works, and then it not work. <laughs> we can't lose a decade, you know, because you know you're going to grandfather the people in that are there. So we well, you know what, and and this is this is worth looking into it. Um, there, there's a lot of term limits in, at the state level. Yeah, and I wonder how well that has worked. Now, in many cases. Um, people who get term limited at the state, say a governor or somebody like that, um, you know, they, uh, they they may run for something else. They, you know, okay, yeah. they can run for the Senate, you know, whatever. Um, so you do see that, and uh, and that's certainly a, a workaround it, uh, where it's just a stepping stone. I, I, I think the, the larger problem is the idea of a career in politics. Um, I... I you know, I don't like it as a career. I like it as a, as a service activity. I don't mind uh, people coming back and forth, but, but but if you're the right person, I mean, I actually am very impressed. We had him on the show, and I was impressed with him on the show. But I, everybody, virtually everybody, uh, thinks that the guy in Orland Park has done an amazing job as a mayor. And, he, and he's, I think, he, what do you say, man? He was on fifty two, fifty four, somewhere in there. I don't really have another problem. A problem if he gets another 
if he's there 12 years and, and kind of retires and goes does something else and I don't know it's necessary to toss him out after eight if he's doing a good job and everybody likes him I mean I I mean, I, I suppose there's always going to be somebody. I, mean, I don't want him there 30 years, but do I really mind if he gets another term? I don't know. Why would I? You know, just then, there's it's no... A question. It's, it's, it's a really good question. As to, And that's why I said it would be interesting to see um, what effect term limits have had uh, on more local levels. And then maybe, I, I, I don't even know if that still extrapolates easily, um, but it might... Yeah, I mean, I think there are people that have actually <clears throat> been in the Senate for a real long period of time. I think Dan Inouye was there for a while, and he was one of my favorite people. I don't, I don't know that if we would just toss him out a term before, it's a positive or a negative. I'm going to say it's probably a negative. Now, some other people, <laughs> if that's the only way you can get them out, good. <laughs> it's like, but like anything else, Kevin, it depends on the person. What's really funny with respect to term limits is I, I just pulled up the academic work because I'm really probably supposed to be being quiet right now. No, um, you're not. No, you're but not. but it's funny the uh, the most all the most recent papers focus on term limits in the Supreme Court, and I assume that's because of the Roe v. Wade thing. I uh, I just added I, I I wouldn't have expected that. I was I was hoping to find some really good academic. Now I got to go write a paper over the holiday. I'm going to say that the guy you want to <laughs> talk to regarding that, mm-hmm. if he can remember the research he did. One of these day, one one day in the past, and I was so surprised, and uh, uh, I wouldn't say shocked and appalled because he certainly has a talent. Our board man, our pr- executive producer of the show, Mr. Matt Weber, actually got a hair up his behind and managed to go do a big list of how many people in, vers- in, in various states are represented by senators. Matt, do you remember doing this? You ever write it down? Do what? Well, you you did a big do what? Yeah, that's what I thought. You, you you did a one weekend. You got you were so pissed off about something we were talking about on Friday. That all that all weekend you spent figuring out how many people were represented by a senator in like Wyoming and other places, and you extrapolated that out to uh, putting people on a Supreme Court for life, and how unfair it all was. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy math to do when you just do the state population divided by the two senators, and you see you know who has the power and who doesn't <laughs> in yeah. that regard. But I mean, you came in and said, "Look, this is a lifetime." Job and they're essentially being picked by, by you know, half the population, not the other half. Which I mean, you had some kind of conclusions I thought that were really good, but I don't I don't know that that needs to be a lifetime job. I could see ten years, fifteen. To make I don't it. think anything needs to be a lifetime job. Well, I, the world changes rapidly. Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see why it was done that way, but I also know when it was done that way, people lived to fifty. So there's, you got that <laughs> going for you, right? I mean, yeah. So it's. But yeah, so uh, we only have a minute here or so. Uh, all right, we can't have him coming from Memphis. We got to get him a new school that he got his PhD. Oklahoma from. State, which you guys were ripping on a little bit. No, at no, the beginning of the. Where would we? Where would we want you? We'd want you. Uh, well, I'm hell. I, you could just say I'm a professor from Indiana University. That's yeah. respectable. Yeah, but not, not the same as Harvard or. It's we we got you respectable, but it's I bought not, a sweatshirt. It's not quite good enough, mm. you know. <laughs> I mean, that's fine for Mark Cuban, but yeah. um, I, I I bought a sweatshirt. See, where, where, where we got? I, I think Oklahoma State and Oxford. Yeah, there we right. go. I, mean, I, I could have I could have done that. Got my economic degree from uh, Cambridge or Oxford at the University of Chicago. We got a 
We have well, to say- I, I spent a week at the uh, Stanford Advanced Management College a long time ago, so maybe I could say I have a Stanford degree. You do. You do. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I got a, a really nice certification. It, actually, it was a good program. It was kind of like your, you know, your MBA refresher course. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was it was very good. It was an intense week. They lock you up. They, they have a lodge in the Sierras, so they lock you up in a lodge in the Sierras. Wow. Um, and and you you actually are are working, but it's not far from Reno, so you actually have to work into the evening, well into the evening, and then everybody packs up at about 10 o'clock and heads over to Reno to the casinos. This isn't <laughs> the same place for all the Republicans. By the end of the week, you're so damn groggy, you can't believe it, because they have you back up in, in, you know, in the classroom again at, at like 9 in the morning. So <laughs> This isn't the same place that, uh, what's the place where all the Republicans go in Russia, in Russia, California, out to the, in the Redwood Forest for the big uh, confab every year? The, the One of the greatest pictures was a, uh, Tell us the name of that group. You, you know what I'm talking about, Russell. I don't. Well, there was a. Well, there was a <laughs> I know. I was. I was getting ready to start googling. Well, there was a picture in the in the 70s, one of the confabs, and it was Nixon, Cheney, Rumsfeld, a, a young Ray. All those guys were in the. Were all in this big picture, and they're all in their flannel shirts and blue jeans out at this uh, this place where they you know they fish during the day and talk Republican stuff at night. And it's tell us the name of it anyway. So we get plus we got to get your law degree, Russell. I'm going to say it's got to be. I Harvard. am not taking another test to save I, my freaking I, life, I, dude. I'm <laughs> done with school. I just what part of embellishing? What part of embellishing the resume? That's what we're doing here. We're not I, making you go to law school. Well, I got. That's the whole point of this, right? There, there was a guy that that sent me a message on LinkedIn like two days ago, and I I just checked him out, and uh, he had gone to like he he had a two year associate's degree. But he uh, he put down that he was a member of uh, Harvard and Stanford's alumni associations. What didn't say? say he went there, but said he joined the alumni association. So what do you do? He sent him fifty. Uh, like at, fir- so at first go. glance, it looks like that's where he went to school. Free. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I'm teaching business law this semester, so I, you can call me a law professor. Mm. I like that. Really? That that, that makes me. I, I I'm teaching business ethics, and that's kind of scary if I'm an ethics professor. What makes you ethical? Yeah, I, I have that in the second eight weeks. So oh, okay. uh, you know, if you want to commiserate on that, um, feel free because I've taught it a few times before. <laughs> yeah, I I don't like that. Maybe we can guest lecture in each other's classes just to keep us going. Well, I, I, I gotta, <laughs> bring me on. I, uh, I gotta go. Uh, are you in Indianapolis? Or are you in Lafayette? Uh, uh, or, uh, um, Indianapolis. Yeah, I'll come down to Indianapolis and, and and visit your class. Cool. Hey, can uh, I come? You can. You are more than welcome to sit in the back and be quiet. I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely going to sit in the back. <laughs> I've never not sat in the back row in any class I've ever been to. So just saying. All right. Yeah. First out. Be quiet. Last in, first out. Okay. Lifo. <laughs> I was a lifo guy. Kevin, thank you very much. But SP futures up twelve. Nancy futures up thirty one. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do at PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Lord Wolfpack, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. We have Russell Rhodes and lovely daughter in the studio. She's listening, so don't say anything bad, Russell. This is a, this I, I a, know, I gotta behave. This, uh, this, you know, there's no, this is a, it's not an X-rated show, even though you know, sometimes we let something slip, but not today. It would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about your pooch, real quick. Okay, you want me to start? I'll tell yeah. you about. Okay, so uh, just backstory. Last week, at the very end, um, I was asked what I would do if I won the lottery, and I said I would sit on the couch with my three dogs and. You guys were only aware of one dog, um, just the the one that looks like the man dog, not the smush face type dogs. The oh. other two, and uh, the other we've got a we've got a French bulldog that we are fostering, and it's basically hospice. This poor dog was born with one kidney. She's she's a little less than a year old. You can see she's starting to get thin, but she still has moments of of greatness. And we are we're basically puppy hospice for uh, these for a French bu- bulldog rescue. Is that uh, not to ask a dumb question? But in, in in my lifetime, there's been very very popular dogs mm-hmm. for years, and all of a sudden they get goofy and, and problems because they're so inbred, and then everybody jumps to the next breeder. The Frenchies, there's a lot of them in my neighborhood. Are they starting to become inbred a little too much? Um, I don't know, Ma- Maggie. We've had a bunch of different types of dogs. How crazy is the French bulldog relative to the other ones? Uh, so we've had pugs and a beagle, and I'd say that the French bulldog's definitely the craziest dog that we've had. And like in terms of energy, like <laughs> like I know Mom was talking about this. Like some puppies have like these things called like the zoomies, where they run around in circles, like in the house. Like we've only ever had that with Mocha, like the, our French bulldog. Like we've never had it like with the beagle or like any of the pugs. Yeah, they're it, it, they're they're fun dogs, but you you ever you ever have a friend that you look at them and you're like, there's nothing going on behind those eyeballs. <laughs> 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 Me after like eleven o'clock. Yeah, no. That's, you know what, man? Maybe she's drunk. I don't. know. Maybe she gets into my gummies. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, puppies so. just have some energy. By the way, there was a year in my in my hood. My hood is it's all the designer dogs. The p- puggles were big for a while. I haven't they seen were. A pu- I haven't seen a puggle in ages. Are they out now? 
I guess. I don't know. Everybody, you know, everybody's gone pugs and I don't know what the cool hip new dog is. The French is bulldogs now. are very popular. Yeah, right? they, it's the French yeah. bulldogs right now. Very popular. They the uh, first floor in my condo, they have a French bulldog. They're great dogs. They they're, they're yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, I have a mutt, so yeah. I'm, a, I'm a mutt guy. I like I like my dog to look like an '80s movie dog. So, that, but yeah, it's uh, and and it just came. And then Chief and I were swapping emails last week, and I explained um, how we're how we're like involved with the French bulldog rescue people, and um, I think maybe we're doing the French bulldog rescue. Uh, I don't know, just to keep a third dog and keep things interesting. Well, yeah, when this one nice. goes, you're gonna get another one, I assume. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So as long, yeah, we're happy to have a, a, a short, short-term dog. Well, uh, you won't be you happy to end that day. Yeah, because so. I'm sure you get attached. But yeah, we're definitely getting. It's unfortunate because yes, we are definitely getting attached to. Um, I've given the dog a formal name, Mocha de la Sal Jones. Oh God, is the full <laughs> name for the dog. Um, she's living her best life. Well, they, uh, they, they, they. they, they <laughs> We, my uh, brother came over to Audrey's on, on Sunday, and, uh, for you know, Christmas Day, and her poodle, <coughs> she got a standard poodle, which of course she just got uh, clipped on the coldest day of the year, where there's like no dog left. Mm-hmm. And uh, so of course she looks at my brother and didn't really, wasn't really all that that keen on him for about two minutes, and all of a sudden she's sitting in his lap. You know, this, oh, big, yeah. this big old 40-pound poodle is thinks she's a lap poodle. But uh, anyway... Russell, while while you're here, mm-hmm. we we have time. We have time. We can talk about a lot of stuff this morning. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the NCAA world, but let's belay that. I want to talk for sure about um, the Tesla situation, and I want to talk about uh, market levels versus recession versus mm-hmm. how bad is this going to get? Uh, if it's going to get bad, uh, you know, where 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 do the people like BlackRock down that are screaming for policy changes? I mean. We're, they must be getting nipped someplace. Uh, Chinese, I can't believe they're paying on somebody's dollar-denominated debt. How is that not being published? It seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we'd like to know that I, it's pretty hard to find all of a sudden. I, in, in not just that, but it, it's not so much. You know, I've, I've sat in the seat or I've called in for. We, we couldn't figure out how long I've been doing this on the drive-in, um, but there there always seems to be. Uh, things storm clouds that we see you know either off in the distance or approaching rapidly um, I, I did I, I talked about this roadshow thing that I did for Indiana where a couple of other professors and I went around you know the, the state and talked to different uh, community groups and one professor had a really good point he said the same that, that the same sort of uh, you know potential negatives like you just listed a few off uh, they're okay when interest rates are basically at zero, but the margin for error for this stuff is it's narrowed tremendously. So it's not so much that we've got a whole bunch of new challenges. We always seem to have the challenges. It's just that in a tighter monetary environment, it uh, th- those things show up in the, the financial markets and the news a lot more quickly, and they're a lot scarier. Uh, you know, the some of the same situations... Uh, let's just even say before COVID, if if you know we had before COVID and inflation, if if we had the same you know situation four or five years ago, 
uh, we might not be everybody might not be talking about another 20% leg down in the S&P 500 which I don't agree with at all I, th I personally think and, and this is going to make or break my career but I keep saying I think the bottom is in for I think the S&P's put its low end for this cycle even though we've got some economic challenges going forward into 2023 um, but the, mar the margin for error for a lot of stuff is uh, you know, the, the thing in the example he used was you know the thing in the UK where they just proposed a couple of new, um, you know, just a, a couple of, uh, I guess they're somewhat dramatic changes, uh, which almost, you know, which resulted in, you know, the shortest. We talked about George O'Leary. Um, UK has a George O'Leary of prime ministers now. You know, yeah. when she last, 11 days or something like that? The same sort of proposals a few years ago probably wouldn't have had as dramatic a response to it. And I do want to mention that Maggie. Um, who's sitting next to me? She's taking econ, and the book that they make her use is from Krugman. So she really? is. An, yes, the if you take AP econ in the U.S., which about a million kids or something do every year, uh, you got to buy Krugman's book. It's AP uh, macroeconomics and microeconomics. Yeah. So and so she's she's experienced on these things as well. What was the? Uh, I still remember. I can't remember the author. When we were in school, it was uh, this big blue book that every every school in the country used was macroeconomics. I think I might still have it. I forget who the hell wrote it, but yeah, they, they get widespread. Yeah, I mean, if you're taking it in Notre Dame or Western Illinois or Northern Illinois, it's the same course. Yeah, but so. the, the the issue when you when you mention the uh, storm clouds and they're they're always there, right? I mean, yeah, there's no doubt they're always there. I uh, one of the things I did in my Ute. Did you say you? Uh, you are you are a Ute. Yeah, one of these things. That, that, is that whenever I actually did this for the CBOE when we were supposed to be buying the Pecos, uh, because they didn't have a financial analyst on board, and I still remembered some of that stuff in the day. We would do I forget what you used to call it. We used to call it. It was uh, you have this huge project. You have a timetable. You got interest rates. You got this. You got costs. You got you got say thirty variables. Yeah. And uh, maybe not that many. Maybe twenty. But there were key variables, and I, I would always do the sensitivity analysis, and that's what I became really good at. Mm -hmm. Well, at least in my mind I was. I kept getting the job, so everybody else must have thought I was too. And it all, it, what struck me, uh, Russell, is the same thing with the storm cloud analogy. It's, it's almost like if you get attacked by a bear, you can fight the bear off. But if you get attacked by five hyenas all nipping at your ass and your, and your, and your knee at the same time, you have a real problem with it, you know? It, and so what I, I found out that if you if you thought your interest rate was going to be seven, say at the time, and it really was ten, okay, mm -hmm. it would, the project if you had any kind of a buffer in there at all, the project wouldn't fail. Or if you were going to be, you know, you thought it was going to take two years to build a building and it took. You put a margin of safety yeah. in. You're, you're talking about a margin of safety with respect to things not going your way. Right, but if I'm saying if you thought it was going to take two years and it took. Two years and six months. The project would probably not fail. But if you took five of them, you, you, could, you could maybe move every variable, you know, 25%, and you were okay. But if you moved five of them 5%, you were screwed. Yeah. And if the interest rate went up a point instead of five, the same time it took you three months longer to build a place, and oh, by the way, you're 2% over budget, if, if you put a few of those things together, even if any one of them didn't seem like a problem, all of a sudden the thing was sinking as fast as a, you know, oh, yeah. a rock in the ocean. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing with like these, these storm clouds. I, I don't think dollar-denominated debt, if, if Chinese don't pay their interest, 
I don't think that takes the U.S. down at all. Uh, no, but, um, but if, I, it it might be painful, but it wouldn't take us down. But it, if it happens the same time, mm-hmm. the stock market, which was so, I mean, let's face it, the the, the, the Fed put thirty five percent money in the system, and the market went up thirty five forty percent. Yeah, duh. I mean, they, they bought the thing up. The the, yeah. the market didn't become more valuable. The dollar became less valuable. So if you if you take the market going down twenty five percent, you see crypto, which got up to a trillion and a half or two trillion dollars. All of a sudden, that kind of crashes. Now people aren't paying this. All of a sudden, you got people being laid off. If all this stuff, each taken on its own, is something we, I won't say easily, could absorb, if you start getting five and six things happening at once, well, storm clouds start to look like a pretty big cloud. Yeah, and you don't, and, and you don't know what's going to be. Uh, I mean, we're all uh, we're all about analogy, analogies this morning, but you don't know what's going to be the the one little catalyst that right. you know is it is it going to be some you know somebody making a comment about. Uh, and everybody's going to scratch their head initially when I say this, but is it going to be you know something happening with uh, the the Dutch mark over a weekend? Yeah, and we come in and that's what caused the '87 crash for just uh, for the people that weren't born in '87 that are listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but and, and everybody says, well, you know, that, and then there was uh, some portfolio insurance problems as well. But it was a combination of a couple of you know. If, if you scale of one to ten, one's a really important factor. Ten's not a very important factor. If you have a, a couple of threes and a four go bad all at the same time, uh, it becomes a, 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 a you know a number one problem. And that's 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 the point. The other the the actually he's an economist. I mean that's his title. Uh, the economist that was on the panel with me. That's what he was trying to make was just that the uh, the margin for error with uh, higher interest rates and some uh, other things that are going on in the world and you know including the geopolitical stuff. Uh, it's not as wide as it was five years ago. No, I would never. Well, I mean, anybody who thinks talk about ancient history, none of us were alive. Anybody who thinks that World War One was caused by three idiots shooting by by, a, du- by yeah. a dude happening to be on the right street corner and yeah. shooting the right guy at the right moment, yeah, but everybody, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't think it wouldn't happen a month later from some other cause, you know. The, you know, the day before he shot him, there, everything was cool, and then the day yeah. after, it was you know the whole world's going to war. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we were going in that direction. And I just, yeah. I the 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 thing that I find, uh, and I can't really put my finger on it. Well, other than to kind of recognize it, and Kevin sort of reinforces it, and you to a certain extent, we're, we're looking for a, 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 a sea change in terms of manufacturing things back here. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I mean, I, I listen to you know, um, you know, Audrey and her. She got a friend who's a doctor, and the incidences of people getting generic drugs that are made in China all of a sudden don't work like the original drug did, that kind of thing. There's all these little bits and pieces of stuff to where you think you wanted to, uh, you know, bring some of this manufacturing back just for safety reasons, not just, you know. Oh, for, for, for yeah. um, I mean, really for, um, you know, for safety. I'm, I'm, I'm lost for a word right now. For self-defense. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the biggest problem that Russia, well, probably not the biggest problem, they've got a lot of problems, but militarily, uh, I don't think Putin counted on us saying, we're not going to give you any more, we're not going to sell you any more semiconductors. And if you look at where you get semiconductors from, and I'm not talking about the really, the the low-end ones, uh, you know, they're, they're made in China, but... If you want, yeah, if, if you want something that actually has a brain behind it that will guide your missile to where you want it to go, you got to buy that from 
you know, either Taiwan, and God knows Taiwan is not going to help Russia out, um, us or South Korea. I think that really yeah. are your choices. And if all three of the, I think South Korea was uh, was on the fence with res- with respect to uh, sanctions against uh, Russia, and then they they got on board one way or another. Uh, but uh, you know, and and we saw it during COVID where nobody made the the, the N95 masks in the U.S. Yeah. And you know, we we suddenly were dependent upon China, who got ahead of this thing and was not exporting any of the, you know weren't wasn't exporting masks or anything else because uh, they knew they were going to need them for themselves uh, i think it's made us reassess uh, being dependent upon other countries for anything and with the natural resources and and the diversity that we have in our country there's really no reason that we we, we should be dependent on other countries for anything well, but at and the same I'm time, I'm talking about have to have, not a nice to have. You know, a, a cheap iPhone is a nice to have. Um, you know, masks that keep you from catching a virus and dying—that's uh, that's a something that you you know, it's not just a nice to have. Well, I, I would agree. Well, you also have we have a a situation we've gotten so. And you and I have talked about this for however many years, and boy, I've been pissed off about it for a long time. The idea that we continually get more and more concentrated in these industries. <clears throat> to the point where th- you know, America's strength is, well, the capitalist system strength, but Mars more than anybody, is if you and I are sitting there, and we'll, we'll make a, <clears throat> since we're going to, you know, we want the thing to be there for 100 years, we want your daughter involved too, because she'll still be here. The uh, If we see all of a sudden go to the hardware store and nobody has uh, 10 penny nails, well, what happened to 10 penny nails? Well, they're made in China. Well, you and I could say, well, wow. There's a there's an empty building over there. It looks like they got a couple of, of machines in there that used to do uh, metal work. How about we decide we're going to make some ten penny nails? That's that's America. You go to the yeah. bank, you put some you money. Find up, a, you, it, you find a need and you fill it. You find a need and you fill it. Well, now yeah. you go to the bank and they go, uh, well, no, you, you know, even though you guys have a uh, you know you guys have a corporation. Well, Dad Frank says that you got a saying over your house. Well, I'm not. I don't know if your wife's listening, but I'm going to say she might not want you to do that. No. Uh, you know, and what? Why? Well, I mean, uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't have to sign over his house. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean. So, I mean, and then when Amazon went out and got financing, what a couple of years ago, <clears throat> you and I were talking about they got like two and a half percent. Now the bank's going to say, "Well, you, you two idiots, you're going to be nine. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, now, somehow, how do you how do you compete with that? You don't. Somehow or another, we have to make it easier. And, and of course, you know, some bump is going to say, "We've got small business loans. We got this. We got that." That's all bull. I mean, you you can get one of those, I guess, mm-hmm. if you get the right. But the fact is, you can't get one in a, in a quick enough time. You're, the, the the American routine is you respond to this stuff. Now, I really, mm-hmm. I really think that every everyone who who cares, which I think most of our listeners sure do, you should read some of the supply history of World War II. And you look at all the, the the military heroes and all the people that died. You know, my uncle and a lot of people died, obviously were wounded and it was you know it was not a good affair at all except for the outcome uh but the idea that we'd pull that off in three and a half years oh yeah and how many thousand planes you mean you, know, you didn't have to tell somebody hey we need these bolts for the plane somebody looks at it and goes wait a minute nobody's making those bolts go, i guess we're making those that's yeah. the whole that's the whole go beauty. find me those we can't yeah. find them all that, right that, we got a machine that'll yeah. make them yeah. well, there's that's why that, that's why the system is spectacular, but we do we do everything to throw monkey wrenches in. Oh no, you, 
you can't you can't have a drug that's that's it's only four people can get stuff through the FDA and you're not one of the four. Okay, so you got to n- nip and tuck on your own, try and get financing, sell stock to people. All of a sudden now, even though you got a drug that's halfway decent, now wait a minute, if Merck doesn't want it or Pfizer doesn't want it, you're not going anywhere. And oh, by the way, you finally do get a winner, and they're going to pay you ten cents on the dollar because you only want to get through the. Ep- just we've done everything we possibly can to stop this. I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know how you I don't know how you bring that back because I don't know that young people even think that that's their job to see a need and fill it. They think their their job is to get a job. I mean, it's oh yeah, no, that's uh yeah, it's uh um there there's a there there's a student video uh, for one of the business students down at IU and it's like you know well, why why did you pick IU and he said well. I I know once I get a degree from Kelly School of Business I'm going to get paid and yeah. if I you know if I were interviewing this kid and go, and 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 googled and saw that because it was all about I'm going to get paid once I finish it no that's not that's not what a potential employer wants to hear they want to hear that you're really interested in our case we're really interested in the financial markets and can't wait to uh, be involved in them professionally. Uh, and then you know the good stuff will follow. No, I think the attitude really is that uh, you know you you get your degree and you get paid for showing up. Which just I I was on the L about five six years ago, and and a couple of guys that knew each other from college bumped into each other and said, "Well, how's your new job? Oh, it's great. I get three weeks. I got full benefits. Uh, we get to leave early on Friday." Didn't say one thing about the work he was doing. I don't even know yeah. where he worked, but it was all about you know and. And he goes, yeah, and I'm going to ride this one along till something better comes along. I'm like, oh my! <laughs> when I was something uh, better, as opposed to I'm going to work my butt off and find something better. You well, know? plus, I mean, they, you, you get the difference every every. Well, I see him more hopefully than just on Sunday. My nephew um, is in the steel the steel making. Well, not the steel making business, but he uh-huh. somehow or another one of the in laws uh, had a small metal working place on the east side. And he still does. <clears throat> but he don't have his, don't have his employees left, but <coughs> anyway, my nephew got involved in the uh, electronic controls. Okay. Well, how you can you know you program the machine to <clears throat> essentially do whatever. I mean, the machines can come from a lot of them are made in South Korea and places, but the controls. If you go to the machinery show, which just ended, oh, it's every two years. It's a huge show. The guys from Johnson Controls, they probably got sixty people there. Mm-hmm. So whatever the machine is, you get from anywhere anywhere around the world. You want to get like Jansen controls on there because they're they're better than what those guys they have. And oh, by the way, if you have somebody who knows how to use them, they, you know, it works out pretty well. So yeah. my nephew's gotten really good at this. So he, now he's at this place, and uh, there's all these these small machine shops around. There's still some left. They're all kind of individual owned, but they're I won't say they're dying because now they're all real busy. But they the mentality is is dying. It's mm-hmm. it's the weirdest damn thing because you don't have. Uh, it's it's a business where every year some other big company that used to service leaves Chicago and some other big company leaves Chicago. And every year you just you have ten people working, and then the next year you have nine. You're still making okay money, you know, it's better than working at Walmart, but you're you're you know, people get paid decently, the machinists and they're very highly skilled. But you don't it it's been a down a down business for three decades, four decades. You know, from what uh I mean, when Pullman was here, they probably had five of those places and nothing but service Pullman. Mm. And, uh, you know, those kinds of things. So, but, but now all of a sudden, they've got nothing but business. And they're trying to ramp these things up. Now, you're, 
I mean, I don't know if you had a, if you had a son. I don't know that you'd want him to be an iron worker. I don't know if you'd want him to be a diesel mechanic. Yeah, because you sit there and go, well, wait a minute, the kid's twenty. When he's fifty, there, there might not be any diesels. You know, I mean, I, I think there probably still will be. Mm-hmm. But but the point is, it's it's not when you look out there and say forty years from now. I mean, when I went to the trading floor. I thought, you know, when I was a hundred, I just. If I wanted to, if I could make my way down there, I could still go down and make a trade. Well, now there's no trading floor. Well, there, there is a little one, mm-hmm. but it, but these things all change. And and now my nephew's saying, boy, if we had if we had twice the people, we could have three times the business. Because all of a sudden, everybody, you know, it, I mean, I, you I mean Kevin knows this. You obviously know it, but if, you can't just walk into some plant and say the guy's making forty widgets a week. You know, I need I need you to do one twenty. Well, okay then, but. See that conveyor belt? <laughs> well, it, it, it only goes fo- so fast. And, and and by the way, and, yeah. And, and now I need two of them. You know, and, and the lead time now on this kind of stuff, even the even the, the roller conveyor things, the lead time on one of those things is probably six months. But you, we, At we, least we yeah. don't we don't have the the people and the wherewithal to just say I'll get it over for you over the weekend. I mean, we we used to have that absolutely can do mental. And, and you know what, Russell? I don't think anybody trusts the politicians. And when I say that, oh, you think? I mean, we well, were ta- you guys were talking earlier uh, about you know term limits and all that that kind of stuff. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, where do where do the the people that we're talking about imposing term, term limits limits on where where do they rank as far as people's attitude about the career that they've cho- chosen? And that's pretty low. Yeah, you know, let, I mean. Trump was a real estate developer, which you know they're 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 pretty tough, hardcore people, and they they probably rank pretty low as well. And he took a step down when he became president. Yeah, well, that <laughs> tells you how poorly people think think of full time politicians. Well, what I'm saying, and we and we got to break, is that I, I don't know that if, if if all of a sudden we're you know we're, we're pissed off at China right now. How's that for a term? And we're and we're bringing a lot of this stuff back. I don't know that if I was a, a bazillionaire. I'm going to commit all my money to stuff that used to be made in China, and that three years from now, you know, Z relents on some stuff over there, and all of a sudden there are buddies again, and everything goes right back. I, I would, I'm not so sure I would, I would take that bet that our guys wouldn't change policy totally. And we just changed it in the last four years. Why, why don't we yeah. change it again? I, I think I know we're, we got to jump, but I think yeah. a lot of companies um, are quietly trying to become less and less dependent on China. I think they are too, because you can't just flip the switch if. if you know, if Apple announced they're going to s- start assembling every next generation iPhone in India, which is a possibility, uh, if they publicly announced that, China would. It, it, I think the blowback would be pretty massive. Oh so yeah, I think, I think they're. I think the manufacturer, and, and I see it. You hear it in quarterly earnings calls as well. That co- and that companies are starting to look at other, it, looking at Vietnam and India as places. But they're up there as a replacement. But, but you can't flip the switch, and you don't want to make the Chinese mad. Well, they're up to their eyeballs in China now. They're up to their neck. But still, yeah. SP Futures is up six only. SP is up twelve right now. Is when we started to degrade yesterday. Hope we don't do that again. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Matt Weber on the board. Russell and family in the room in here. SP Futures up 6, NASDAQ Futures up 13. That's what I like. I, I like a, a bright economic student. That's a, that's a great thing. She but, is a bright economic student. Well, that's student. what I'm saying. I, I was talking to her while you were out of the room, and uh, we had a chance to talk, you know. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. Anyway. She could get a word in edgewise? Yes. Exactly. It's, it's tough, isn't it, honey? Yeah. There you go. There's a word. She got one word in. One word. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, she's not going to be the Clarence Thomas of the group. Of the group. Never mind. Remember that part? Of, well, uh, later. Keep going. I'm not, the Dow Futures up, Dow Futures up 83. Uh, uh, yesterday is a way of review. Dow was up 37. S&P down 15. And NASDAQ, whack, whack, though, down 144. 
Uh, we've got uh, over in Europe, we got the DAX down five now. It was up a little bit before, but it's unchanged, say. FTSE up 62, that's 0.8%. Kick around up six, they're, they're unchanged too. So slightly upside in Europe, but not, not much. Over in Asia, uh, we've got the Nikkei down 107, 0.4%. The Hang Seng up 305. They're, these guys are almost going to make 20,000. Russell, six weeks ago, they were 14.5, and now they're almost 20. That's wild. Isn't that great? You're going to have to comment on, well, yeah, if you're long. I mean, I'm, a Shanghai down eight, call that flat. We've got gold uh, down 9.20, 18.13. Silver down 13 cents, 24.08. Copper up a penny, 3.85. We've got oil down 34 cents now only, but under 80. 79.19 was over 80 yesterday by a little bit. Rent down 51 cents, 83.82. We still have people calling for like $120 oil. I, you know, I, I'm not in that camp. Well, that's Russell if he is, and we're done with Natural gas down 30 cents, 4.98. Uh, again, people getting big bills, and it's 4.98. Uh, we've got the crypto. Bitcoin's down 17 bucks, 16,647. We have the U.S. dollar uh, down a little bit. The the the, uh, the uh, euro. Well, actually, the euro's flat. The British pound's up a little bit, so uh, we're flat flat to the euro and down a little bit to the pound. Anybody got for us? Traffic weather sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Those two earlier crashes on the south side, one on the Bishop Ford and one on the Ryan, are all clear. So that's great news. And, in fact, it's cleared the entire Chicagoland area traffic map. We have no crashes or significant delays on any of the area expressways, as everyone apparently is off work this week except for us. Uh, But uh, (laughs) nice and quiet if you're coming into downtown. I'm, I'm hearing the trains are quiet, too. So enjoy a nice, quiet community if you are coming in because we have no accidents or delays to speak of. That's always good news on a Wednesday morning. Weather today, more good news. We're well above freezing today and for the next several days. In fact, we will not uh, be below freezing for a high uh, through the new year. So that'll be nice. Today, uh, mostly cloudy skies, a high of 41. Right now, it's overcast and 31 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast and a high of 59 today. Right now, it's raining uh, currently and 57. In sports, Blackhawks continue to struggle. They were shut out in Carolina 3 to nothing last night. Coyotes doubled up the Avalanche 6-3. NBA basketball, Bulls were off. They'll host the Milwaukee Bucks tonight at the UC. That's a 7 p.m. Central Time tip-off. Suns blew out the Grizzlies 125-108. College hoops, it was Notre Dame over Jacksonville 59-43. And uh, for some of our Big Ten listeners, uh, Wisconsin uh, kicked off the Big Ten portion of the bowl season with a win over Oklahoma State 24-17 last night in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Boo. Russell, where's the guaranteed rate bowl played? I didn't. didn't um, I feel like it's in Arizona or something like that. Okay. Right. So, and you know, I, I got my degree at Oklahoma State last weekend. Congratulations! Thank I you. know that was um, that's, what, that's why I was booing a the, big uh, effort, and most of that was virtually, right? Or did you have to go in? I, you weren't I had like to go in. in a, I had to go in a lot. Yeah. But, Down to Stillwater. Um, uh, sometimes, sometimes oh, wow. Tulsa, sometimes Stillwater. But did you take longer than Belushi? <laughs> I did not take eight years, but and and I finished a year ago. I just didn't do the paperwork to get the fun hat. And Tommy Boy, he goes, a lot of people take seven years to graduate. He's like, yeah, they're called doctors. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that you just described my undergraduate career, <laughs> which we're going to have to shorten that on the resume if I'm running for senator. Yeah, you can't uh, start started undergrad at eighteen, finish at thirty two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, but it's all right. But you, I, you know, and I have some of those students. <laughs> the guys that take six, seven years to graduate do have the most fun. I will say they they do, and yeah, they do. Actually, uh, talk about a, a weird little story. Uh, we used to go to spring training every year down in uh, Arizona. Obviously, that's where the Cubs were back in the early '80s. And yeah. 
I actually met some young lady who was going to Arizona State. Now, it may sound, you know, and I was working and stuff, but it may sound like, uh, you know, this, this pervert's going out with some young girl. No, I was like 30-ish, 29-ish, and she was like 25. And yeah. she was still going to... Every, everybody was on the seven-year plan. Or, because they would... They, they, she was in... They had already done two quarters, mm-hmm. one in Moscow and one, one other place. And it, you'd, you'd go, you'd take nine hours, and you'd, you'd work as a waitress or something. You'd make a bunch of money. Yeah. And uh, they actually made more money, you know, in the service industry while they were going to school. Like your first job, you went to work for Smith Barney or somebody. All of a sudden, you're making like ten grand a year sitting at a desk all day dressed up. Where before, you were making like 15, having fun going to school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I bartended and waited tables at a... At a place until 3 a.m. four nights a week when I was uh, in college so that that kind of ate into those 8 a.m. 8 classes sometimes oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah when I then when I um, I actually my first job working in a trust department I, I delivered pizza on Friday nights to supplement my income because I did take a little bit of a step down in the amount of money that I was making well, my, uh, my yeah. buddy was from uh, Boston and uh, or Wellesley which is close enough to Boston and he, he gets a job at a Notre Dame MBA school with Man, Man, Manny Hanny, Manufacturers Hanover, Dear Departed. And in those days, if you went to work for New York Bank, you made like eleven grand, and you had yeah. a, you had to look you had to go out and buy like eight suits because you had to look like the and the best ties, the best shirts. You had to look like you were the chairman of the place, even though you're making eleven grand. Yeah. And, uh, and plus, you need an apartment in New York, you know, which he shared with somebody. But that summer, he used to work at a place, a famous place, in... uh in Barnstable, called the Barnstable House, mm-hmm. and it, talk about a great life. He played, get up, play tennis in the morning, shower up, grab fish for the place on the way to work, bartending. And they were closed at eleven or twelve o'clock in in, um, in Cape Cod. Party till like two, and do it all, all over the next day. Like, so he told the bank, "Is would you guys mind if I would start till September? Because by the way, I make a hell of a lot more money <laughs> for summer so than you guys over are, the summer, and the, yeah. the idiots are paying me." They said, "Oh, that's okay." <laughs> I understand that it was a different world. I mean, the weird part you had to go out and buy even then a, a nice suit was three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you couldn't you couldn't have gone to men's warehouse. I mean, they wanted you to look like you were you could walk into the, the, the board the board room the next morning. I mean, you know, everybody oh, used to dress. Yeah, I, I went through my first job uh, like that. I was making twelve five. Yeah, and then and, you, and to, I had to buy a couple of suits. And, yeah, you yeah. had to dress like you were uh, you know Simon Legree or something. But yeah, all right. So what what do you make of uh, you, you just mentioned by the way when you talked about the. You're very particular, being the professor you are, that you think the S and P has bottomed. Now, you didn't say the, the Nasdaq. Um, I think the Nasdaq has too. Um, I, I, I really, I, I think they both have. In fact, and you can see that the performance gap between the Nasdaq and the S and P 500 has been narrowing some. It didn't yesterday, I know, but um, that and that's something I'm. I keep a close eye when we're on two things. And and I've talked about the the Fed Watch data where you can get an idea of what the market thinks going to happen interest rate wise in the future at different meetings and it, you know, it's uh, it's oscillating back and forth between topping out around five or five and a quarter percent later this later next year it's not quite twenty it's not and I'm calling it the year of Jordan by the way twenty twenty three is the year of oh, Michael Jordan I like it oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Maggie graduates class 23, and I said, why aren't you guys calling yourselves the Michael Jordan class? Because they don't remember who Michael Jordan was. <laughs> oh, that's oh. oh, that. We painful. were, like, but our class theme was, like, Disney World, because, like, my school's, like, the happiest place on earth. That's what, like. <laughs> 
Well, that's good. I, I'm just I'm absolutely speechless. Yeah. I, I, the, some of the some of the reactions after a tough day at school that I that I hear. I'm, I'm yeah. If that's your happiest place, you're going to have a terrible life. Honey. I know, right? Oh my God. Um, but but as far as the S and P goes, so yeah, I think the S and P. You know, we bottom out you know, months in front of the economy starting to to turn to the upside. And I do think by the second half of next year, the ship's going to start appearing to be righted. And when that happens, people start to pile back into stocks. So I, I and I feel like people are afraid they're going to miss that move. So they're buying the dips periodically. I, we kind we saw it yesterday. We rebounded a little bit yesterday, but I, I really would love to see a couple of months where the NASDAQ's outperforming the S&P 500 to, to have a lot more certainty with respect to the bottom is in for for this cycle, but I do think the bottom's in for the stock. Why well, I, I, uh, I hope you're right. Yeah. Um, Although I just they had a chart up on CNBC during the break where apparently Apple is bordering on its June low, and you know Apple is uh, a good you know one sixth one fifth of the Nasdaq performance depending on how the other stocks are doing. So I might be wrong. Uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if Apple can hold in there. Uh, and not you know break to new lows, and then you did want to. I'm, I'm going to switch to an individual stock because you wanted to talk about Tesla. You mentioned it first thing this morning. Um, Tesla is an auto company, and auto companies don't do well during economic slowdowns. And this is the first one they've had to deal with. If you think Tesla is going to survive um, the economic slowdown, you probably would consider buying shares at some point in the near future. Well, I. Uh I'm trying to draw, you know, his, history. I don't think it necessarily repeats itself, but you better pay attention. Uh, I'm going back to 2000, where there were five stocks uh, that were the absolute cats behind of, of everything, and they just went up, up, up. The momentum, the same, the same program as this time, without the COVID push. Although we did have some push from the Fed because everybody thought the whole world wasn't going to work. Uh, come January 1st of 2000 because all the computers are going to shut down. So the Fed did pour a whole bunch of money into the system in the few months before, mm-hmm. which I think actually caused the top. But, you know, that, we could argue that some other day. But my concern is once those stocks started to come down, you, you get this feeling that because, I use the term, some idiot paid $65 for Cisco, that somehow or another that idiot knew something. And when it went through 50 and 40 and 30, that somehow that there, were, there was some muscle memory that this thing really is a sixty dollars stack and what's it doing at thirty? And oh, there most definitely. I like yeah. that you called it muscle memory, yeah. but you're definitely anchored to that price. That I mean, now you're stepping into my dissertation. Um, you're definitely anchored to that that price that you originally paid, and you hate taking losers and all that other kind of stuff. Well, where did it bottom out? Eventually, you learn right? that. Do what? It bottomed out at six. Yeah. So I mean, the, yeah. the QQQs. At the time, I'm going to say the top were what one twenty two three something like that, and uh, where did they go? Twenty, twenty five, something like that. Yeah, down by like two thirds, I believe. But now, and again, I think some of these stocks that were the shows of the world, and they, they've they've gone from the hundred to the ten. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much lower they can go, I suppose. But but I st- there were some people on yesterday talking about, yeah, well, one guy was brutal on his Tesla. He goes the stock. Never was worth anywhere near what no, it was worth. And no, no. Because, because if, if this thing has a, a 50 handle on it, I'm going to say it's probably worth that. You know, And I don't know, I don't see Meta getting up and going here. I mean, no. I mean, and, and, and Apple, I 
you know, I what's their margin? Could Apple be 80? Maybe. Quite possibly, yeah. but again, I feel like we're I I, I feel like a, a good portion of the the bad news is either I feel like most of the bad news going into next year is pretty much discounted and there are very few people that really believe that stocks are going to do anything for you in 2023. I think stock I I I wouldn't have a problem buying, you know, buying the S&P 5. I, I had an old broker in the south who used to say uh, you know, just uh put your money in it, put it in a box, lock it away and then see where it is in a year or two. Uh, I would have no problem with uh, buying the S&P 500 on the last day of this year and going on Safari and not having access to my accounts or anything for the full year. And I think when I come back, I would be happy with it. I just, I mean, I might just do. I I think we, uh, it might be a painful ride, but I think if I didn't have to watch it, I'd be okay with it. Well, for my, my clients right now, Russell, we are right now we're longer than we've ever been. We still have puts that some are in the money, so we're talking about, you know, we're 40 Delta to start with. But yeah. instead of selling Kaufman, we have, you know, the, the put might have a 60 Delta or 55, and we've got the stock. So we're, we have very limited more risk to the downside. But on the upside, instead of selling covered calls, we've done some repair strategies. We've done some one-by-twos where we really want it to bounce. Mm-hmm. And so far, the bounce is looking like a dead cat bounce. Uh, as a matter of fact, the NASDAQ just turned negative again, like it does every day right before 8 o'clock, it seems. But I, I, don't, I don't know that we, in, in anybody's mind, we still haven't come to grips with how much this stuff was, was pumped up. I mean, I... I, I uh, oh, I, I think, I, I think um, the realization... I do think we realize how pumped up it is from seeing how prices have been pumped up in other areas. And then it translate back, you know, translates back to the financial markets. Yeah. So I, I do think there's an there's more of an awareness around that than than there would be if we didn't also uh, experience real world inflation at the same time. Right. But everywhere you, you look, know. you can get you can you can find a sobering thought, which is well, you know that that's my job is to worry for my clients, right? Yeah, basically. But I mean, I I was uh, two and a half years ago when I first started doing the stuff for uh, the NFO people and the protected stuff. I had everybody in the XLE. It was, mm-hmm. 20, it was 28, oh, actually like 32. So it goes down to 28 every person after six months. Hey, you got me out of this XLE. This thing sucks. Okay, well. It's, if you didn't own energy in 2022, yeah, you did not have yeah, a good 2022. So all of a sudden now it's 87, and we got yeah. a couple, couple people have a little bit, a couple people that I that I talk to more more often, and and I uh, was able to talk them into getting some. But now I look at the XLE, every new person we get now, God, i got to be in oils. Uh or in, 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 in not just oil, but that kind of that energy. You don't have people calling up begging to be in ESG stocks. Uh, no. Okay. Um, the uh, but now the, now the part is I, I look at the, the the charts. I'm not a, you know as good at this as you are. I see the XLE. If you took a price of the oil back then at forty bucks or thirty eight, whatever it was, now the oil's where, where where we got it. I just I just saw where it was. It's a uh, seventy nine. The these the oil stocks now are like. Thirty percent of a premium to the actual oil itself, the natural gas. Well, got to be either natural gas and they're under six bucks. Everybody's convinced that when the China reopens, all of a sudden it's going to explode back up. But but right now you're paying a big premium for these oil stocks. And I don't think China opening up is going to be a catalyst for oil. I think if if I and I do 
I, I have like a speculative long oil position right now. But that's more about an expansion of what's going on in Ukraine or, or, or something else. It's not about the actual supply-demand side of things. I, I feel like if, if you're using China opening as a reason to own oil, uh, you, uh, you're going to be wrong on that one. Uh, do keep in mind, you know, China, they, they went to, during the World Cup. You know, she went over and talked to the Saudis. And she thought he was – he tried three times with three different groups to get them to agree to settle oil transactions in uh, the China, Chinese yuan. And I think they're trying they, – they, they flew over there and pushed on that one because they don't have any dollars. Right. You know, so even if China reopens – um, if they don't have any dollars, because you got to—I mean, basically, you have to buy oil in dollars, and they're not going to allow you know the monopoly money that they can print themselves uh, to be the way that they pay for for oil out of the Middle East. So the China demand—I you know, demand's great, but you also have to have a way to pay for it. And I honestly don't—I th- think China's in a much worse shape than anybody. I think uh, they are too. And if you look at the dollar denominated stuff, I mm-hmm. think that I think a lot of that stuff must be. Uh, they're sweeping it under the carpet. Yeah. They've been they they've been uh, they've just been taking bad loans and sweeping them under the carpet every once in a while and starting over, and that stuff catches up with you. Well, I don't want you to say anything uh, out of school because I know you know some of this stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. from maybe from that uh, normal sources, shall we say? How how deep? What's the risk of a somebody like a BlackRock who's been huge in China all these years and even today telling people to invest over there? Are, are, is there a chance that somebody that big could someday we, you know, I turn on the radio on the way to come into the show in the morning and find out that the, there, there's a problem with some place you never dreamed at? It always seems like there's some place you never dreamed at a problem starts the problem. Well, if 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 you're talking about ETFs that they've they've put out there for people to invest in, not necessarily that's not going to be a problem for the firm as a whole, right? Um, but if they're putting their money, if they're putting their money in the same places that they seem to be telling other people to put their money, uh, yeah, I think that could be an that could be an issue for for some of these firms. Well, supposedly, and how many billions and billions of dollars of dollar denominated Chinese debt and the real estate? Try, and they're not getting and, paid out on yeah, it. Yeah, try and try find a list of where those people are. You can't find it. No, it's and and that that's going to be. I, I think. I think. China contagion the the the, the dollar denominated bonds are w- probably the only way that things that are going on in China can can cause a second leg down here. Well, the Chinese yep. government. Let me trace the history. You tell me where I'm <laughs> wrong here because you're much more. Didn't then China at one point say we don't want to have any more foreign debt? Essentially, we're we're full up. We don't want. Any, yeah. Uh, and then they. But the the people who wanted to get the debt from the U.S. from Germany from all the other places, they said, "Okay, you're not you're not coming through our currency system. You're not going to show up with the dollars, change it into yuan, and then go buy the stuff here. You're just going to have to go right to the source, and, and I'm going to I'm going to invest in uh, you know uh, R- Russell land development in some damn place in China, and I'm going to give you the dollars directly, and, and essentially go around the government to a mm-hmm. certain extent." And you're going to owe me in dollars every year. So if there's a problem with the current with the exchange rate, the dividend that you're now paying was six percent. Well, if all of a sudden the yuan gets devalued versus the dollar, and all of a sudden your dividend rate might be nine percent, right? Yeah. Or you're, 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 so it's a it's a big issue. And I don't, but I don't even know where that's even. Does the Fed even know where all that money is? I mean, no, I, no. 
I mean, uh, and the, I mean, a big portion of you know, we you, you talk about the dollar denominated dollar denominated bonds say that, that, that they were yeah that they were using to you know to build a bunch of very empty condo buildings right now right uh, not you know the the uh, the biggest source of the funds is structured products that were being created that were, were supposedly going to be funded by people making their mortgage payments on unfinished apartments and now they're not making the mortgage payments on unfinished apartments and the structured products that that are supposed to be pay be that are supposed to pay out um, they don't have any cash flow to pay out and it's individuals over there that that are really on the hook for this so they they, they basically you go and you buy a condo and you start making mortgage payments on it even though they haven't broken ground on it yet and then at the same time, any savings that you have, you're investing in structured products that are supposed to be paid out uh, based on those mortgages that nobody's paying on anymore. I don't think it's a. I don't think the issue is is a global problem, but I think it's going to be a big internal, um, you know, possibly ch- regi- regime change type situation in China. What's a? Because I mean, there there's a, there's this belief. Uh, if you live in China, there's this belief that when it, that you've got a backstop, you don't have a Greenspan put, you have a uh, an everything put that the government will take care of you if things go wrong, and I think the ability of their government to take care of them when when we have mishaps is just like I started out talking about today when I said you know the thing in the UK we had a, a prime minister that didn't last much more than a week because the whole world is so fragile right now. It's the same thing in in China and. Just because they're going to try to reopen, that doesn't mean that they're just going to flip a switch and reopen. We only have a little bit of time, but I have yeah. a real simple question. These these cities that were built and people are paying <laughs> mortgages on condos, and are, they're living, God knows where, probably in a place not as nice. I guess a real simple question, why doesn't we just move in? Because they're not finished. Oh. I mean, they're, they're, if, if I, I, I kind of wish that we were sitting across from a building that you know that you could see through right now and didn't have windows or anything. I mean, they're they're... Their shells. Okay, but and, I, and they and they've been tearing down some of the shells. But the streets have like, never got finished. They have streets. They have traffic lights. They got these bridges, and there's there's no cars on. It's just a yep. They've got they've got. I, I saw some people on um, you know Facebook um, bitching about how terrible the rail system is in the U.S. and why can't we copy China? Well, the rail system in China looks great, but they have high-speed trains that are empty. They're going from point A to point B right now. They just built them. You know, they just threw them out there and assumed that the usage would come afterwards, as opposed to putting them where people would actually want them. someday uh, you, you're probably the only guest that I have that would, would would put up with this and maybe even participate. someday I want to take a half-hour segment and just talk about the history of the rails. Oh, I would be so into that, and you, and I can't think of a better resource in the world than you. I, I tell you what, there's, there, if you want to listen to the the history of shenanigans in business, the first forty years of railroading, every dirty <laughs> trick, every dirty trick is in there. You you can't you cannot everything that Enron uh, did was read the Central Pacific. <laughs> there, yeah, it's it. We should talk about it, and I bet you it's your hero is probably Jay Gould, right? No, it's Vanderbilt. <laughs> Because he did it twice. He did it in shipping, and he did it in rails. Oh, God. Yeah. SP Futures up three, and the up a buck. We at least broke the upside again here. I'm hoping for a rally. I think everybody is. We'll see if we get one. Uh, this, 
absolutely terrific. Listen, li- listening and talking to you guys in the office. Hopefully, it's uh, not the last time we do this oh, soon. Yeah. And uh, have a nice day, everybody. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.